0: morning, I'm starting a new series in the book of James. So if you have your Bibles or your your Bible on your phone, open it up to the first chapter, the first verse. There's also provided for you an outline in your bulletin. Again, can I just say, don't let a tree die in vain. Use it, write in it. Many of our, not many, but a few of our small groups use the sermon notes as their their guide for their meetings. So they'll take notes and then they'll add to it, when they get together and go a little bit deeper. So I encourage you to do that. I do that for you that'll, that'll help you. And so it's a 10-week series. James is probably my favorite book of the whole Bible because Peter said about Paul that his writings were kind of hard and difficult. I find Paul's words challenging. Romans, and I mean challenging in the sense that they're, 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 they're not as practical. you got to dig a little bit deeper to get something out of them. James is not so... He is like the proverbs of the New Testament. James, the book of James is the first chronological book in the New Testament. I mean, it's not it's not listed as the first, but they believe it's the first book that was written uh, after the resurrection of Christ, the book of James. And and in uh, James this week we're going to talk about trials. Today's message is dedicated to everybody's going through a challenge right now, a struggle right now. Next week will be temptation. I think other than this week, next week will be the best message of the whole series. And then if you don't like next week, the next week, Taming the Tongue will be... How many need help with your tongue? Don't raise your hand, but I will. If it, taming the Tongue, we, uh, if you don't think that, for 10 weeks, each sermon is going to be, ugh, just, you just don't want to miss it. You want to be here. And uh, we're going to study through the book of James. This crowd is okay. You're just, you're just okay, but... <laughs> Maybe just because I'm okay, so maybe I need to get better. So here we go. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2, we'll learn what, what are trials like. I'll try to describe trials for you and then how to get through them. So what I want you to know, this is what trials are. This is, this is how you get through them. James, a servant of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The author is very important when you're trying to study a book. James is not, it's not the disciple James. It's the half-brother of Jesus so James and Jesus had the same mom, Mary, and, and they had Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. James came from Joseph's, Joseph's seed, so different dads. But just imagine yourself trying to be raised uh, next to the Son of God. Mary saying, James, can't you be more like your brother, Jesus? Why, sure, if I was God, I could be just like... I mean, can you imagine the conflict, the tension... Jesus, why don't you do anything wrong? You never get in trouble. Everything turns out. Why not? You know, just the conflict. And early on in their life, they did not, I mean, Jesus probably liked him. But James, we don't know a lot about Jesus' birth. We know a lot about his birth. We don't know a lot about his childhood. We do know that from birth to adulthood till he started his ministry, that James called him a, a fanatic, a nut. It's recorded in Scripture, that he was outside of his mind. His brother, Jesus, came back saying, I'm the bread of life. James said, sure you are, big fellow. You're, 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 you're crazy is what you are. You know, I, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And James, James you're a lunatic, Jesus. You, are, you, have, you have lost your mind. What, what are you thinking? But something changes in 1 Corinthians 15. It tells us. That the Bible says that Jesus in his resurrected body appears to James. So Jesus lives, dies, resurrects. And from that moment on, James goes from a doubter to a believer, to a cursor to a proclaimer, to, uh, to not believing in Jesus, to be willing to die for Jesus. And he goes, he goes on to say, and I, don't, I like what he doesn't say, not James the half-brother of Jesus. No, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's important. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. The book is written to Jews that have become Christians, so Messianic Jews. And they are under, they are under severe... Why are they scattered? Because they're under severe persecution. I don't mean they're being poked at or being made fun of or being ridiculed for their faith. I mean they're being stoned. They are being... Uh, flogged, they are being put in prison, they are getting kicked out of their family, they are losing their jobs, they, there is a king at the time, Claudius, who is on a rampage to rid the world of any Christ followers, and he is making life extremely difficult and challenging for them, and so instead of just staying together, they, they've scattered all over the place, and James is one of these that is under extreme persecution. He's right in the battle with them. He's right in the fight with them. And so James writes, first book of the New Testament, first book after Jesus resurrects. The persecution and the heat is is intensifying. And James writes this letter to encourage, to exhort, to tell them how to live their Christian life. And he starts it off with with this thesis or this idea or this teaching on trials or struggles or challenges or difficulties. And this is what he says. He says, guys, I know you're scattered. Don't make light of it. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not trying to paint. Look through life with rose-colored glasses. I know you're in a struggle, but consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. James gives us some, some attributes or characteristics of trials in that one verse. The first thing I want you to say is, is see is when you see whenever, it's not you might or maybe, but, but what James is saying is trials are inevitable. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have challenges. You're going to struggle with issues. And you say, Pastor, why don't you be more positive? Okay, I am positive. You're going to have difficulties. You, you say, well, why? I thought, I thought I was a believer. I thought good things happened. I didn't know that I was going to. No, you live in a fallen world. I got to keep reminding you. Earth is not heaven. One day, Jesus is going to come back. One day, we're going to slip into eternity. And we are going to live in a new heaven and a new earth with no crying, with no shame, with no regrets, with no remorse. A perfect God and a perfect world with perfect relationships and a a perfect Savior. But this is not it. When Adam and Eve sinned, it knocked the world off course. The original Eden, there was not supposed to be any death. There was not supposed to be any struggle, but with sin came sickness and with sin came death and with sin came same challenges and difficulties. We live in a fallen world, therefore, we're going we're to deal with, with. Tr- listen, listen to how uh, Peter said it, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to have a struggle. I didn't know I was going to have an issue. No, in the very fact that you live in a fallen world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. We also, you got to know this, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And the Bible says, he, he be self-controlled and alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roars around, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You know why we have trials and challenges and difficulties? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin it, destroy it. And we also have challenges just because of our own, really, I, I don't mean this. I'm talking to me too so I can say it, because of our own stupidity. Because we just do stupid stuff. We do things outside the word of God. We do things that don't adhere to, to his commands and honor him in ways. And we sow to the wind and we reap the whirlwind. It's just it's just where we're at. So you've got to know that trust. But James is saying in. I'm not worried even right now about the reason. I'm just saying, you got to know trials are inevitable. He also says, consider pure joy whenever trials are inevitable, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That word that word, face, it, it really, when you study it, it means they're unpredictable. It was, it was the word that Jesus used when the good Samaritan, you remember he came upon that guy that had been robbed and beaten? It happened unexpectedly. The guy... Trials, they don't, they don't wait for you to be ready. How many know that? You don't say, hey, I know I'm going to have trials, but just let it happen after this big project and before this big vacation. And if you could just, God, if you could just orchestrate it right around this area, that would be the best thing. It do not work like that. They're unpredictable. They, they're under, they, they come upon us. How many lives have been changed by one phone call? Our, 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 our one pink slip, our one whatever. It just happens that not, it was, it's been a couple of years now, but, but we were in a real busy time, uh, season of a church life. And, and, and really, family life always seems to be busy with five kids. But, but it was just, and Tyler started getting these headaches. And, you know, uh, Tyler can be a little, uh, what's it called, hypochondriac. He can kind of make a mountain out of a molehill. So, you know, I'm like, suck it up you're fine. You're all right. Well, these and headaches kept intensifying. So he, we finally took him. I took him to patient first and he got there. They did some exams and they said, sir, you need to get your son immediately to the emergency room. And I'm, I don't have time to go to emergency room. You ever been to emergency room? They say four minutes on that little billboard. They're, that means four hours. You're cra- After all the paperwork, it's not, I'm not I don't have time for that. What do you mean? Well, we think your son has meningitis. Well, just give him a pill and go home and we'll be fine. And and they said, "No, you need to get there." And so we got there, and I did something that you probably shouldn't do. But I googled it, meningitis while I was in the waiting room, and Google told me that my son was going to die, and his head was going to explode. And he was never going to be the same. And and I start worrying and getting fear. And and now I'm real, We got to stick a needle up his back about that wrong and do a spinal tap, and he'll be in the hospital for four days. And 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 we're praying that he he doesn't have is it viral or bacterial it doesn't he doesn't have the bad one whatever it is i don't even know but we're just getting through that and and i'm just saying man we weren't ready for that we hadn't we hadn't prepared for that we had it was it was out of the blue and thank god for his grace and his mercy but you need to know trials they don't set an appointment <laughs> i wish they did but they don't it just happens here's the other thing that trials of many kinds they're various they can be relational, or financial, or, or uh emotional, or physical. There, there can be all kind of different. Did I already say relational, vocational? I mean, all kind of different trials. They're they're multifaceted. It's like when you go. I want to paint. I want to paint my bedroom blue. Okay, go to Home Depot and tell them you want to paint it blue. You'll get a hundred swatches, paint swatches of blue. They've got every color blue that you can think of, and that's trials. They're all they're multifaceted. They're, they're all over the place. They, they come in many forms and shapes. And here, here's the last thing I want you to know about, not the last thing, but another thing I want you to know about trials is trials are purposeful. With the right attitude and response, pain can be productive. Pressure can produce positive results. Suffering can accomplish something. What you're going through is not a coincidence. God can use it for his glory and for his good. There is, you, there is trouble, challenges, difficulty can be purposeful. My five-year-old Micah, getting him out of the bed in the morning is like awakening a bear that's been hibernating for eight months. I'm not lying. This kid is impossible to get up out of the bed. It's not. Once he gets to school, he's fine. But getting him to school is an, it's an every morning he gives me grief. Day. It's like I'm inflicting pain on this little kid just to inflict pain. No, there's a purpose in you getting up. I don't want you living here all your life. I want you to graduate from college. I want you to make something of your life. And part of the process is going to preschool. It's purposeful. Now get up the bed and go in Jesus name. And, and can I just say this? Can I just say this? Jesus, God, does not inflict pain, hurt, sickness, disease to teach us a lesson. You've got you to gotta understand this. I have already said it's because of a fallen world. God is a good God. God will see you through your pain. That's not, You know what, the most, what God wants us to call him? Abba, Father. You know what that means? Daddy God. It's the most affectionate, enduring term that you can think of. When Emily was, uh, was young, she would sit in my lap, and she would rub on my face and go, Daddy, baby, I love you. Daddy, baby, I love you. You know, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to call him Daddy, Abba. I'm not going to take my little girl and say, baby, I got to teach you a lesson. I got to inflict some pain on you so you can grow and, and mature. And so come. you need to know fire's hot. So come over here to the stove. I've got it heated up. It's on high. Put your hand on that thing. Let flesh burn a little bit. Smell it. Get to know what it's like. Keep it down there a little bit. Because I, I want to teach you something. Man, that ain't daddy God. That, if a if an if a, if a earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will a heavenly father give good gifts to his kids? He's not wanting, he, he is not the author of sickness. He's not the author of, of, of struggles and challenges. It's like me saying, Micah, you got to know something, buddy. You can't ride your bike in the street. And so I got to teach you a lesson. Get on your bike. Stand up behind the minivan. I'm going to get a good start, and I'm going to run you over. And, and, and I might just run back over you because I want you to know I got to teach you something, son. It's because I love you. Because I love you, but I'm going to run over you twice. There's going to be a tire mark across your chest. You may never be able to walk again and think again and breathe again, but I've got to teach you something. That logic doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even. It, God's not like that. But God is saying, you live in this fallen world. You've got to adversary the enemy. You do some things that, that you shouldn't do, and you reap the consequences. But I, I, I just want you to know, there can still be a purpose in it. Don't let the devil meant for harm. Let it turn out for some good. Let, let me teach you something through the trial. Let me let me let me reveal a, a character trait of mine while you're going through a difficulty. You know, like it's like Abraham, his, his test, God told him, and God did initiate this, and I think there's a difference between tests and trials. But God initiated a test. Take your son and sacrifice him. And 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 Abraham got all the way to he drew his knife and was just about to sacrifice his son. And God said, Now I know the test has proved me that you fear me and love me above all. And then God provided a ram caught in the thicket, and Abraham came to know God as Jehovah-Jireh, the God who provides. See, in our trials and in our challenges and on our difficulties, God, God, though he's not the author, he can use them. He can, he can help us, and he can reveal a new dynamic of his nature. He can teach us things if, we will, if we'll allow it. And here's, here's what James says. Because... Count it all joy whenever you face trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith. And here's, here's how trials are purposeful. Trials purify my faith. They test it. And here's the language. Here's what James's audience would recognize. It's the same word a silversmith would use to refine silver. What they would do is they would put it in a big pot. They'd boil it. They called it dross so the impurities of the silver would rise to the top. They would skim it off with a tool and they would redo it time and time again until that silversmith could look down in the silver and see his reflection. He knew that the impurities were gone. And that's what trials do. They, they, they purify our faith. See, what God's ultimate hope is, is that he looks down in our lives and sees his reflection, his patience, his love, his joy. He wants the rough edges uh, waxed away and taken away he he wants us to make us more like his son and so trials have the the ability if we walk through them with the right attitude and the right heart to purify our faith because we really don't even know what we're like or who we are until we go through a trial here's what here's what uh peter said In this rate you greatly rejoice, though we now know it now for a little while. You may have had to suffer grief and all kind of trial. These have come, so your faith of greater worth than gold, these trials have come, which perishes even though refined by by the fire, may be proved genuine. I want your faith to be genuine. I want it to be to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Martin Luther King said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort, and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenges and controversy. There's something about trials that helps us realize where we are and what we're about. That's why, that's why the psalmist said, try me, test me in this, and see if there is any wicked way in me. Trials purify my faith. They also develop perseverance. If I, if I go through the trial with the right heart and with the right attitude and with the right perspective, knowing that God is for me and he's not against me, and that he can use it for his glory, it will develop perseverance. And God wants this trait in your life. He wants it in my life. It's staying power. That's that word. Perseverance is the ability for your roots to go deeper and deeper and, and not to be easily straight. Look, I had, when I was, uh, it, when de- trials help you, to develop. I'm gonna stick with this thing. I'm not gonna quit. Many of us quit before we make it through the trial and we miss out on the very thing that God wants to develop in our lives. We we won't because it's, it's not the one that starts the race that 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 Jesus says gets saved. It's he who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus said that that it's it's those that Paul, I finished the faith, I've kept the race, I've I've endured, and now there's the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will award to me on that day. God wants to make you like a tree planted by streams of living water, that whatever you do will prosper, and the roots can't grow deep, and the thing can't be established if you won't let the process play out. I was, my first, well, my second job, I was, I was at the Outer Banks as a youth pastor for, for about 13 months, and then and then I went to Lighthouse Worship Center, where I was there for five years before I came here, and the pastor that hired me was a good man, not a perfect man, but a good man, and, and, and he was for me, and he taught me a lot, and, and he, was, he was honest, and he was good with his people, and I, it was in joy. I mean, ministry, it was tough, 22 years old, learning things, but it, was, but it was good. Two and a half years in, I get a new pastor. Uh, pastor Erickson leaves, goes to another church, and a new pastor comes in, and I I know you you're you this is going to boggle your mind, and you don 't understand this, but he didn 't like me I know, I know i know i know i don 't understand it. He did not like me he made for two and a half years he made my life miserable i and i cannot i don 't have time he wouldn 't invite me to staff retreats. I was the youth pastor, uh, everybody would go I would have to stay behind. he would talk to me, talk about me to other people i don 't know what the deal was it was it was just it it was. It was tough, and I can't tell you the amount of times that I wanted to quit. I mean, I can't tell you. I came so close to getting out of ministry. I was like, if this is what a pastor is, I don't want to be like it. If this is what a pastor does, I'm I'm not interested. I so, so was so close to quitting ministry. But thank God, by his grace and by his staying power, he helped me to endure, and the very thing that that, that was a challenge and a struggle, now has produced, I'm here today, I'm at this church, a part of Clover Hill, because of an experience at Lighthouse Worship Center that, that almost made me quit. I am who I am today, in large part, of, of God using that man, because, and I'm saying I was, pro- I mean, I had had it, you've got to understand, I'm, I'm just like you, and I struggled with it the whole time. But I didn't quit. And I didn't give up. And now I'm in ministry today. I would not be enjoying the, the, the benefits of being the pastor of Clover Hill if 20 years ago I would have given in and, and quit. And some of you, God has so much in store for you. And you can't see the future. But God can. And he has a future to bless you and not to harm you, to give you a future of a hope and good things. And you might be going through a trial right now. But I just want to encourage you, if you quit. You might miss out on the very thing God wants to do in your heart, in your life. That's what trials do. They fortify my patience. And then lastly, they sanctify my character. They, they, they make me... They, perseverance must finish its work. So I got to develop this perseverance. And if I develop this staying power, the result is I'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If I uproot the process... If I buck the process, if I don't submit to the process, then I never become mature and complete. How, how, many, how many want to be more like Jesus? Obviously, I hope everybody said, well, how many want trials? Nobody wants trials. But not wanting trials, if you don't have trials, you don't develop per- perseverance. And if you don't develop perseverance, you can't be mature and complete. It's like I want big muscles, but I don't want to work out. It's like, it's like I, want, I want to make a lot of money, but I don't want to work. It doesn't work like that. You want to be more like Jesus, you've got to endure, you've got to go through some challenges, difficulties, so he can refine you and change you and use those things to conform you into the image of Christ. See, try, there, you, and you've got to get in that context. Some people have told me, well, I'm going through such a hard time, God must be punishing me. God is not punishing you. Listen to me, he punished Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago for your sin. The Bible says that He bore our punishment. He took it. it. God is a just God. If God were to punish Jesus and punish me for my sin, it's unjust. It's, it's putting someone in prison for this two people in prison for one crime. It's double jeopardy. It doesn't work like that. Our court systems know that's not fair. And God in heaven, he punished Jesus so we wouldn't have to be punished. Not punishing you. He does want to work with you. He does want to grow you. He does want to help you. So what So what do I do? How do I get through it? And James, again, gives us a remedy, gives us uh, a, prescri- uh, a prescription to, to get through it. The first thing he says is rejoice. And, again, I'm not trying to – don't be Pollyanna thinking everything, you know, everything's okay. It's not, it's not faking it. It's not it, – not, I'm not going to rejoice for my trial, but I'm going to rejoice in spite of my trial. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. It's like Peter and John, uh, Paul and Silas, rather, when they got thrown into prison. You remember, they, they got, for preaching the gospel and seeing some man get healed, they get thrown in the in the inner prison, shackled together, guards around them, backs tore open with a whip, hungry, tired. I don't think Paul looked at Silas and said, Man, isn't this a great day? Man, if we could just have more days like this, getting beat get the cheese beat out of us and, and just no, no. I think they said, Paul, Silas, in spite of what's going on, can we let's just give God thanks. He's a good God. He's for us and not against us. He's got a plan and all this. And we're not gonna we're we're gonna we're just gonna align ourselves with it. We're gonna turn our hearts towards him. And they just begin to sing and celebrate and rejoice. Here's here's how Paul said it: the same guy that sang, one of the guys that's saying in prison, in everything, give thanks. Not because of everything, but in spite of everything. And, and give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. God, that's why, that's why the Bible says, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times, and his praise is going to continually be on my mouth. I'm, I'm going to rejoice in spite of this thing. It keeps my attitude right. It keeps my heart soft so that I can grow and learn the lessons that, that I need to. Here, here's the next thing, request. And all I'm saying is pray. And it just was an R, and it lined up. So I used the word request. But it's pray. And here's what James said. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. Listen, this isn't another thought. Remember when the New Testament was written, when the Bible was written, there weren't chapters and verses. They were just, they, they just it was like they were writing a letter. So he just came out of this saying, consider it all joy. When you have trials of various kinds, and if you lack wisdom, ask God. Pray. God, what do you want to do? What are you doing? What can I learn? How can I grow? God, help me get through this. I'm going to pray. I'm not. The trials is not the time to run from God. It's the time to run to God. It's the time to pray and ask him to help you, give you grace, give you strength, give you understanding, give you staying power, give you all that you need to make it through this thing. Our family right now is in a trial. We are going through a real challenging time. We are in the process of of transitioning a little girl that has been in our home for 18 months back to her birth family. And you're talking about emotions. One day you're crying, thinking, you know, what's going to happen? The next day, maybe it's the, I mean, it's just all over the map. You're thinking about the little girl she's six years old. How, 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 how is she I mean if you're not careful, you can stress and you can strain and you can, it can really get R, you can pray, God, I need wisdom. God, how do I help this little girl trans- transition? How do I help her daddy take on a new little girl? How do I, God how do I help myself? I don't want to be emotional wreck. I don't want to be a basket case. What, what do I need to do? What, what can we do? How do we get through this? How do we make it? God, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us help. Give us strength. Give us grace. Give us mercy. First we rejoice, but then we request. We invite God into the equation. God, I need you. God, I need you. And then here's the last thing. Relax. and we'll well, sure, that's easier said than done, but this is where I want us to get. And I think if we're, if we're rejoicing, our attitude's right, and we're praying, and our faith is built up, that's what prayer does, it helps build up our faith, then we can relax. And this is what James says, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. You know what that is? That's faith. That's saying, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. I, I believe your promises are yes and Amen. I believe your word that says you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I believe that you're causing all things to work for my good. If you clothe the lily of the field and feed the bird of the air, how much more do you care for me? I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe you. And you're going to help me get through this thing. Let me me sum it up. Don't move around, please. I know some of you got to serve. Don't get up and go. Hear me out. I just want to recap. I'm going to read the scripture again in another translation out of the New Living Translation. Same thing I've just taught you. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, not needing anything. Here's how Paul said it. Don't worry about anything. That's that rejoice piece. Don't stress over it. Don't strain over it. Don't allow, I mean, struggles in God's view were not meant to defeat you. They're meant to shape you. They're not meant to destroy you. They're made to, to help you come out of it stronger than you've ever been. Instead, quit worrying and stressing and straining. Instead, pray about everything. God, I need your wisdom. I need your help. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And you know how you relax when you do that? Because then you will experience God's peace. And I'm telling you, when you got the peace of God, you can go through anything. When you got the peace of God, you can make it through any challenge, any struggle. This peace is going to exceed anything you can even understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen, everybody? Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me.